This is the Good Neighbor Podcast, the place where local businesses and neighbors come together. Here's your host, Jeremy Wolf. Hello, hello, and welcome everyone to the Good Neighbor Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Wolf, and today I am joined with Warren Gerstein from SKI Investigations. And Warren was actually the feature family for our September issue of Cooper City Living, uh, lives over in Country Glen. Really, really great guy, and I am excited to get into this today. Warren, thanks for coming on the show, brother. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's our pleasure, and thanks, as always, to our listeners for tuning in. So, Warren, why don't we start off with basics here? Why don't you share with our listeners a little bit about what you guys do at SKI Investigations, and then we shall proceed from there. Sure. Uh, SKI Investigations, we focus on insurance-based investigations for um, ins- direct insureds, defense counsel, uh, TPAs, and carriers, um, focusing on workers' compensation claims and auto liability nationwide. And how, how long have you had SKI for? How long have you been in business for? Yeah, so we just celebrated 23 years uh, this month, actually. So that's a big milestone for us. Well, con- congratulations on that. That's, that's fantastic. So <clears throat> prior to tell, talk a little bit, just go, go through your journey, right? How you ended up starting SKI 23 years ago. What's your background prior to that? And talk a little bit about how it evolved into what it is today um, and you know where you are now and where you're going in the future. Yeah, so I, um, I, I worked for a private investigator in community college before I went to Florida State. Um, doing things like uh, bar spotting, if you're familiar with that term. Bar spotting? No, please. Yeah, bar, sp- bar spotting is where they send in uh, undercover uh, investigators to uh, restaurants and bars, and we watch the poor counts and um, you know huh. potential potential theft of bartenders. Uh, it's it's very common. It happens. Uh, they, they call them now secret shoppers, kind of thing. Um, but 25 years ago, uh, yeah, so I worked in, in, you know, spent a lot of time in bars and um, uh, dance, uh, dance, strip bars. <laughs> For lack of a better word, right? Yeah. Adult, adult, adult entertainment adult, facilities. <laughs> yeah, adult entertainment facilities, uh, which went over really well with my, my wife. But um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and our focus was to make sure that um, bartenders were using proper pork counts and um, hitting the register when appropriate. And um, so, yeah, I did that and I thought it was, wow, this was a, a pretty great job to be able to have. Yeah, was, uh, was that like the soul at that time? Was that the sole focus in terms of what you did for the day? Would you go and, and do this for hours upon end on a day and just go into mm-hmm. strip clubs and bars and, and, and do that? Or was that just one component just, of what you did? Yeah, I mean, I was going to community college at the same time. So I okay. I, deli- I delivered pizza for Domino's Pizza. And then this would be something that I would supplement. And, you know, they needed young, you know, someone young and someone interested in the in the profession. And um so I went away to Florida State, studied criminology with the intent of maybe going into the FBI or Secret Service or something on the federal side. And um, at that time that, you know, I think the dream was bigger than what I was willing to put forth to it. And uh, I graduated from Florida State with a criminology degree and, and saw an ad in the paper for hiring a private investigator. And I thought, wow, I could do that. And um, here we are 23 years later. I won't hold it against you, 
that you went to FSU. Because I'm I'm a Gator. I know we're we're rivals, but I, I think I'm so far removed from the college scene that it's okay now that, yeah. that we yeah. went different. But I, I can definitely relate uh, to what you said. I went I went into college init- initially. What I went in for was uh, computer and electrical engineering, and um, I ended up with a degree in business administration. I definitely uh, didn't attend to my studies as much as I, I should have when I was in college. But I wanted to go back to this, pri- this private investigator uh, that, that you were into. I'm curious, over the course of many years in the private investigative field, I got to imagine you've had quite a few interesting stories uh, that, that you've encountered. Can you maybe share with us uh, one of the most uh, crazy stories or the most interesting stories from uh, some work you did in the private, investi- in the private investigative field? Yeah, so I've been I, I've had the luxury of since I've owned my business not to have to work in the domestic side of things, which um, though can be lucrative, is is um, to to me kind of <clears throat> nasty. So we've been lucky to only have to work in the insurance um, arena, and you know from what I, I think you could equate it to what law enforcement officers will tell you um, on their job. It's ninety eight percent boredom. 2% sheer terror. Um, it's very similar in the investigative side. So, you know, you spend a lot of time. We primarily do surveillance on injured workers or injured people that were in auto accidents. And so you spend a tremendous amount of time sitting for that few seconds that somebody becomes active when your adrenaline starts to pump and you're like, oh my God, because now you have to follow them. And anyone that, you know, thinks following someone who has an agenda and a place to go is easy. Uh, without being detected is it's 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 a huge challenge so you know you're spending your time following somebody around one or two car lengths behind and then <clears throat> anticipating the light sequence because if they make the red and you're a car behind and you don't your day's over mm. so <clears throat> those nuances i think are um <clears throat> something we see we see kane um, no cane, uh, a cane to a medical appointment. They leave the medical appointment and put the cane in the back seat, and they're fine the rest of the day. We see people going in wheelchairs that don't need wheelchairs. We see people that they say they can't drive, and then they get medical transport to their doctor's appointment. They get dropped off from medical transport, and get in their car, and go to the mall. So I mean, we see all those types of things. Unfortunately, you know, we tend to exaggerate, and um, that's what gets most of our claimants in hot water. Yeah, right. When, whenever there's a system, that system can be gamed. And whenever a system can be gamed, people, unfortunately, will take advantage of that. And, For sure. Uh, so I think that speaks to probably some common myth, misconceptions that the general public has about the industry. I just I just said, it. I tell me your craziest story. And like you said, most of it is, you know, just sitting around tedious work. And then, yeah, yeah pretty mundane. Yeah. Certainly not anything you'd see on Magnum PI. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, if you're if you're following a car and, and they they yeah, you miss the light, you're not you're not racing through the red light and having a high speed car chase here. No. <laughs> yeah, you know, in the old in the old days prior to um, uh, red light cameras, certainly the job was a lot simpler. And if you think about just cameras in general, right? Uh, let, let, let's just give you an example of, of for our industry and how it's changed dramatically over the past even let's just say seven years you know when you have to confirm somebody's that is are they home or not you know generally you can go knock on the door and you know 
you have the wrong house per se. Well, now there's ring cameras mm. on every corner, on every house. So the industry has, has changed dramatically as technology has developed. So it certainly makes it more challenging for us. You know, red light cameras, ring cameras, uh, you know, everything's under surveillance now, it seems like. Yeah, so, there's eyeballs everywhere watching watching every every step we we take. Yeah. Just shift for a second. Tell tell us a little bit about your family. I mean, I already know a little bit, obviously, because we did your uh, we featured your family. But for the listeners that don't know, tell us about your family. What you guys like to do for fun when you're not working? So I have um, my wife, my wife, who and I are high school sweethearts. Um, we got together in 2000. We graduated 1988. Oh wow! Was, yeah. So um, we've been together a long time and uh, we have two boys. One is named Sebastian. He just turned 18. He's a senior at Cooper City High School and he has um, two businesses that he runs. He runs an auto detailing business he's had for three years and he runs a holiday light decoration business, which he's had for this is his second. This will be his third year. And um, he's also a cadet at the Broward Fire Rescue. So I think he's going to look into the um, that that is his profession. And then my younger son just turned 16. His name is Dallas. He goes to Cooper City High School. He is a junior and he uh, plays soccer, travel soccer, spent four years with Cooper City. And now this year we've moved over to Lauderhill. Oh wow! Yeah, not 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 much time to start businesses when you're involved with the the travel soccer league. The so yeah. goes, and, and, mm -hmm. and uh, that's very very time consuming. But yeah, that's that's awesome, man! Congrats to you. Uh, you guys must be doing something right as parents to have uh, two kids with that kind of resume at this at this stage. I can only aspire to such greatness with my 11 year old that just entered Pioneer and my nine year old, uh, who unfortunately didn't make it to the travel soccer, but we still have aspirations for greatness in the future. What do you guys like to do for fun you know, when you're not working as a family? Uh, we, we like to travel. Um, January, we try to take the kids. We've been taking the kids skiing, snow skiing for about, uh, this will be our 12th year probably. Where do you and, like to um, go? So Colorado seems to be our, our go -to. favorite destination. And Steamboat is where the boys like the most. They've skied there the most. And I'm, as, I'm comfortable allowing them to go off on their own there because they know the mountains. So. Steamboat is a very family family friendly place we like to go to. No, all skiing, no snowboarding for the kids. Um, my older son can ski and snowboard at the same level. Uh, Dallas snowboards, but um, I think prefers to ski. Huh. I haven't so. been. The last time I went out was Park City many many years ago. It's been a while for me. Big Mountain. Yeah, used to love it when I was younger, but I'm I'm from New York originally, so I used to go when I was younger, but any, uh, any trips on the horizon for this upcoming winter, Are you guys going to head back out to Colorado? It's like yeah. annual thing that you guys typically do. Yeah. We generally take the kids in January and then again in March. And then, uh, I go in February with just a bunch of guy friends, but, um, so yeah, this year we'll be going in January to steamboat. And then, um, we're not sure about March. Dallas has a lot of soccer. Um, so we're just not sure if we can take that trip. And Sebastian is at the point where I can't believe I'm saying this, but my, he's at the point now where when we talk about going away, he his first focus is I have to work. So I try to tell him you got about 50 years of work behind you. Don't worry about it. There'll be plenty of time to work. But hey, man, he's got his thing. 
He's motivated. He's got his goals and aspirations. Yeah. Don't get don't get in the way of it. Let, let him go. He'll, he'll figure it out, right? Yep. That's what we say. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So sitting here today, I always like to ask this question. Looking back through your journey, is there something that comes to mind? A life hardship, challenge, something you faced along your along your way, along your journey that you struggled with tremendously at the time, maybe a defining moment, something that looking back at today, you can say that you're better off for having gone through that or you're grateful for that experience so that it helps shape you in, in any major way. Yeah, you know, I spent this in this, in this industry that I'm in, I, I, I'm passionate for, I love it. Uh, and I spent, you know, many, many years doing it. And then um, my father, who, when I was in high school, moved to Mexico and um, started a, uh, the chimenea. You know, familiar with chimeneas? What is it? Chim chimenea? A, chimen a chimenea. No, no, um, what is it's, it? <clears throat> it's like a clay, it's like a, like a four foot high clay pot that you burn fire in. They put them on stands or in your backyard. Okay. Um, you never heard of it? I've not, no. If you Google it, you'll, if you see a picture, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Okay. So my father decided to um, uh, import chimeneas from Mexico to the U.S. So we were the first U.S. importer of chimeneas. And when I was working in the investigative uh, field, I was um, a manager and we got a, acquired by a Fortune 500 company and I was offered a management position to stay with the company. But my father wanted to open a brick and mortar here in the US to catapult off the success he was having from, you know, importing from Mexico. Well, I was 26. My brother was 22. We didn't have any idea what the hell we were doing. So we opened a brick and mortar in Hallandale. And, um, you know, we had it, it was going well, but my father was got sick, he got ended up getting cancer. And so my father passed within six months of opening this business and you know at that time i didn't have any experience on on anything so it wasn't something that i could maintain i didn't even know how to to run it so once my father passed i went back to what i knew which was investigations and i decided at that point rather than go back to work for somebody i would take a chance and open my own business and i was very lucky to have dedicated a few dedicated customers that went with me and um, they're still my customers today. And that's how SKI basically started. So, you know, had I said, if my father hadn't decided to open a brick and mortar, maybe I'd still be working for, maybe I never would have opened SKI. Had my father not gotten sick and passed, maybe I wouldn't have opened SKI. There's just no, so I think the, the path that got me here was, was the challenge that I faced when my father passed. And I remember asking everybody, Everybody that I knew at that time, should I open my own business or should I take this secure job? Mm. And everybody said, take the secure job, take the secure job. You know, I was 26, no kids. And I said, no, I'm going to just, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the chance. And I took the chance and uh, it paid off handsomely. And uh, so, yeah, my father passing was a catapult to where I am today. Yeah, man. Th thanks for sharing. And it, it it's always strange how life works out, right? You know, certain paths that we happen upon through 
horrible circumstances end up being defining moments in our lives that that you know lead us to where we are today. So I appreciate you you sharing that with us. So before we wrap up here, why don't you leave us with the one thing that you'd like for listeners to know about SKI investigations? You know, I the one thing I think every business owner that you encounter should know about their business is that without the employees that they have, they have no business. And I know that right now, every business, including mine, is facing tremendous challenges with retaining employees and mm-hmm. with with recruiting employees that are not unfortunately entitled, uh, want to be overpaid, want to not work very much. That's been the hardest. Um, that's been the the most challenging thing. But I think that if if I think we lose sight of the fact sometimes that you know these are the people that are interacting with our customers. These are people that can get you a customer or lose you a customer. <clears throat> and so, you know, I think that's the one thing that we've been <clears throat> blessed to have is really good employees. And I, I think that we try to treat them as 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 absolute best that we can um, under the current market conditions. Yeah, in- incredibly important to treat your staff as the, as if they're family, because like you said, they are a reflection, a representation of your business. And it's so difficult to find new people. So when you do find somebody that, that is good, you got to do whatever you can to make sure that they're with you for the long term. Absolutely. For sure. How can we learn more? Uh, anybody out there that wants to learn more about what you do, maybe share your website, your contact information. Sure. How can we reach you, Warren? Yeah, our website is uh, www.ski inv as in victor.com and um you can google search ski investigations you might you might come up with a lot of ski accidents because uh you know (laughs) (laughs) if you don't put the periods in ski you may come up with some skiing accidents but um yeah we're fairly well represented on the social media side we try to do that especially after COVID. so we try to be proactive on the social media side to engage customers all right and we'll of course link in the description below to all of your contact information. Warren, thanks for coming on the show, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's our pleasure. And thanks, as always, to our listeners for tuning in. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Good Neighbor Podcast. Everyone have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to the Good Neighbor Podcast, Cooper City. To nominate your favorite local business to be featured on the show, go to GNP coopercity.com that's gnp coopercity.com or call 954-231-3170